Well, I remember coming to sit down with my mom and have a conversation with her. And I told her that we decided to get married. And she's like, good, because that's important because, you know, it's important because when you have kids in the future, you know, and then I must have made a face because she looked at me and she said, are you pregnant? And I said, yes. Josie Falcon is a separation survival coach and the host of the Heavy Pages podcast. She helps women who have been blindsided by an unwanted separation or divorce break through their initial emotions and take control over their journey with clarity and confidence. And as any great coach, Josie has walked the walk and turned her story into the inspiration to help other women just like her by releasing her raw journals into the world in the best way for her. I had always had that journal sitting there and I was like, this would make a great book. And then I thought, you know, Uh, maybe this will create a great blog, but I hate to write. And I'm like, that's not going to work. So when podcasting came around, I'm like, perfect podcasting. I love to talk. This will be great. In this interview, I asked Josie about the ins and outs of her story and some parts that may shock you. Listen for the gold nuggets that can help you turn your own story into the saving grace for many people out there struggling with that thing that you have been able to overcome. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault, available only to our TGP insiders. In the full version, Josie shares details of dropping out of school, the creative, quote unquote, way that her husband came up with to save their relationship. You really don't want to miss that one. And her emotional weight gain while still trying to make her relationship work. She also covers additional legal details of her divorce. Become a TGP insider today and get the full story at theglobalphenomenon.com slash insider. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're making dinner, remember to always leave room for dessert. Chocolate cake with ice cream is my favorite. And please head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the separation coach who walks the walk, Josie Falcon. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career that has taken the world by storm, creating multiple self-made millionaires and opening the doors for regular folks like you and me to achieve our wildest dreams. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach for online coaches ready to live a rich, passionate, and abundant life without regrets. And I'm on a mission to uncover the secret sauce that made the top coaches in our industry rise to global phenomenon status so that you can be next. Today's episode begins now. Today we are talking to Josie Falcon. Josie, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So before we start, can you please tell everybody who you serve and what you do right now. Sure. So I am a podcaster who has a podcast called Heavy Pages, a divorce journal, and I am a separation survival coach, and I help women that are dealing with an unwanted separation or divorce. Now, uh, if everybody goes to your podcast right now, they're going to see uh, you recounting 
basically what you went through in your divorce and reading from your journal that was contemporaneous. So I think everybody's like, if you are going through a separation, if you know somebody's going through a separation, just give them this podcast, the Heavy Pages podcast, and you get into some very personal things in there. Um, and I wanted to start with, can you please share with everybody what your divorce story was? And then we're going to get into how did you get into the world of coaching and how did that come about? So tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So my background is I am Puerto Rican. I am actually the first member of my entire family to be born in the United States, as in, you know, continental United States, because um, my parents moved from Puerto Rico. Um, well, actually, uh, my mom was pregnant with me, but I'm the first of the family. So I, I think that's really cool. Everybody followed afterwards, but I'm the first. So, which brings us into where your podcast actually begins, which is your parents, you know, coming from a Puerto Rican background, coming from a Latino background, you know, it's a very Catholic, uh, Catholic culture. I grew up yes. with it. You grew up yes. with it. What was that like growing up with a family that was so religious? Right. Well, I mean, it affected me greatly. I believed in everything that they taught me, I had uh, I I had the the Catholic guilt. That's what I'm going to call it. I had a lot of Catholic guilt, and I was uh, always scared of you know uh, eternal damnation. So I I followed the rules as best as I felt I could, um, so that I would you know be right with God and the Virgin Mary because the Virgin Mary was a very big deal. So. Um, you know, that's how they were. And that's kind of how I tried my best to 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 be. It didn't quite work out that way. Let's you talk know, about but... it. Let's let's get into okay. it, because this is really okay. an integral part of your story. Right. Um, we can't even get into why you do divorce survival, separation survival coaching without talking about your right. own separation survival story. Right. And it really started at that early age when, uh, you know, you had this 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 culture around you, this, this societal norms around you that, hey, right. you don't go to your boyfriend's apartment. What will people say when right. they see you walking out of that apartment? Um, right. You don't sleep over anywhere. You don't. No, no, no. Like none of that happens. Can right. you tell us what like can you start giving us a little bit of yes. a taste of what it was like when you had relationships and how sure. that how, how that absolutely family? Absolutely. Well, um, I was not allowed to have boyfriends. Uh, there, they, they didn't give me a date of when I was allowed. I just wasn't allowed. So I wasn't sure when I was allowed. And at 16, I had my first boyfriend and, um, I told my parents that I met him and okay, I have a boyfriend and they're like, okay, but obviously I was not allowed to go anywhere with him. I could not see him anywhere. They did let him come to the house once, um, but I wasn't allowed to go to the movies. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. And so this first boyfriend lasted like two months because, you know, he's like, bro, I'm 16. I, I want to go out with the girls. I, you know, there's things, of course, that 16 year old boys would like to do. And there was no opportunities to do any of that with me because I was not allowed to be alone with him. So he broke up with me. It was sad. I cried. But I'm like, you know what? I know that I have value. I know what I'm worth. And if you want to go find something else, cool, that's fine. So I was very secure in that. I would love for you to tell us a little bit of how you subsequently met your future husband. Right, right. 
Well, I met him on this little thing called America Online back in <laughs> 1994. Which I thought was no, amazing. Really... We didn't even have America Online until like 1997. So really? I'm like, what? That, yeah, I was on awesome. the cusp. <laughs> yeah. So you were like in the, in the avant-garde. You yes. In the, the morning, in the bright beginning stages of it. Uh, and um, it was great. It was a great time then because it was just really genuine people wanting to talk to other people and checking out this cool thing that was happening, you know? So there weren't a lot of weirdos back then, which yeah. good, you know, it was just people really checking it out. And so I happened to be chatting online. Uh, I was talking in a group with people and I started talking to this person. And and then he's like, hey, do you want to go to a private chat room? So that, you know, because back then when you talked, everybody's talking and you just got to be like, what color was he? Can I see what color that is? Because otherwise you lose it. And so we went to a, a private room and we talked a little bit more about each other. And um then we from there, we moved to talking on the phone because he didn't live in my state. And so we started talking on the phone. Um, I got to know him more. He mailed me a letter with his photo so I could see what he looked like because it, there wasn't this whole let me just, you know, turn on the camera or, or right. text me something. Right. And so I met him that way. And, you know, I did that whole love is blind thing because I felt like I fell in love with him before I actually met him yeah. but a lot of it too was that he 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 had a very he was in a very difficult situation his family had a very difficult situation and he was sharing all that with me and I was like oh my god I can save you come mm -hmm. here to to my state you deserve love and I know I can love you and show you all that and whatever and so I went really deep into the savior complex thing of I, you know, I know his life can be better and I know I can be the one to do that for him. And so, you know, we met from there and then, you know, less than a year later, he was here. He he moved over here. Can we just press pause on that feeling mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. wanting to save someone? Um, this is this is probably something that we've all experienced in some way or another. Like we look at somebody and maybe we want to change them. Maybe we want to, we feel like, you know what, the reason they're that way is because they haven't met someone like me who can nurture them and who can show them what life can be like. And, you know, it can really get us into trouble when we're going into our relationship thinking, you know what, like things are going to be better because I'm going to come and save the day. Can you tell me a little bit more what what it was like to be to be in that and what you would tell people who are listening who are like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm doing exactly that thing. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I would say, first of all, you know, I'm not saying that it was pity because I felt like I loved him. But I think that feeling like I loved him also made me feel like love conquers all, which in reality it doesn't. You need to hear what they're saying to you. You need to listen objectively to what they're saying to you and think, is this somebody that maybe needs some help? You know, maybe they need to work through their issues. They have some trauma that they need to work through. Can I encourage them to work through that and not just think, well, me loving them and getting them here and having a roof over their head and all this is going to save them? No. Can I encourage them? The conversation should have been, how do you feel about therapy? If you come here, maybe we can get you into some therapy and we can, you know, work through some of these things. That would have probably been smarter than thinking just being in my presence is going to heal him and everything is going to be great now because we love each other. We're two cute young people that are going to be able to, you know, conquer the world. So I would say love them, but analyze. Think carefully. Is this, 
issues issues that are fixable, do they want to fix it? Are they in the mindset space that they feel that they can fix it and um, go from there? And if they're not, you're not going to ever save them and do your both both of you sell the favor. And it's hard, but, you know, move on because it'll be harder later. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things that you really have to be able to realize that solving that kind of psychological problems or like, you know, back trauma that the person may have come with uh, is not something that is really up to us as non-professionals, members of our relationship to try to resolve. Like it would be, it's it's hard for professionals to do it, right? Like it, we right. can't really put that kind of pressure on ourselves. So um, I'm actually going to go ahead and do this, that in the show notes, I'll put some, uh, some resources if you feel like your partner needs uh need some help or they need to talk to someone i'll go ahead and put some links in the show notes so that they can they can do that or if you feel like you need, you need some help Absolutely. Um, and talk to someone and work through some of your stuff so that your relationships can be healthier it really starts with you um so i'm, I'm so glad that you shared that that with us so your boyfriend finally moves to florida for you and right. you move in together we do because I didn't plan on moving in with him. I planned on setting him up and helping him find a place to move to. But my parents told me, you are not allowed to go to his apartment. By this time I was uh, 21, almost 22. And I had just lost a boyfriend uh, that I had been with that I cared for because my parents kept putting, and I said, this is ridiculous. I said, first of all, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna sneak. So if the rule is that I can't go to his apartment and you guys don't trust me, I'm just going to move in with him because I'm not going to go to his apartment and then lie to you guys. And then I'm not going to not go to his apartment. So I just I told him I was moving and I was going to move in with him and they were not happy. Um, my mom, I, my mom pretty much stopped talking to me. Um, uh, my dad helped me move, but didn't refuse to meet him. I couldn't have even fathom going to my parents and telling them I'm moving out and I'm moving in with my boyfriend. Can you please tell us how that decision, how that decision happened? How was that? How was that the best choice at the time? And you rationalize, I think I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I rationalized it because for a few different things, he was going to have to come up with the money to rent an apartment. He was moving here. He didn't have a, a job, even though he found a job pretty much before he came here. But it wasn't, you know, it was a job. It wasn't like a career or whatever. I had a job. I'm like, together, we can afford an apartment more than you can afford it by yourself. Logistically, it makes sense. If my parents are telling me that I'm not going to be allowed to go see you at your apartment and you're moving to Florida for me, that makes zero sense. It, it makes sense for me to do this. And I have a very strong personality. I have a sister who was like, I older sister who was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that you're doing this. Are you crazy? Oh my God, I would never, I, I, I wouldn't dare. And I was like, it's happening because I told them very clearly, I'm going to go to his apartment and I'm not going to lie to you guys. And so very, very brave. Was I was 27 when I got <laughs> married and started living with my husband. Oh, 27 funny. years old. Um, I, I hear you. It's, it's real. Um, well, your parents, did they ever get over it? Well, they did. But here's the thing. I kind of blame them a little bit for the situation that I put myself into because I firmly believe had I had to come home to my parents every day and see their faces, I still think I would have 
had boundaries. I told him when he was moving, I have a boundary where I was a virgin. I'm like, we're not sleeping together. We're not what, you know, all of this stuff. You're coming here. We're building a relationship, but that's off the table right now until we get married. Cool. But then I move in with him and I'm sitting here thinking, doesn't matter. I'm tough. I'm, you know, I, we're going to, nothing's going to happen until we get married. It doesn't matter that we're living together. Yeah. What did I know? I had no idea, but I believe that if I had to go home every night to see my parents, it would have been a little different, but then I, we were living together. So, you know, one thing led to another and probably two months later I was pregnant. Okay. Pause. Yes. Because you tell this story in your, on your oh, podcast, yes. of, you know, what you actually thought buying a condom would do. You thought yes. that buying condoms would actually entice and encourage and make basically sex yes. inevitable. Can you tell yes. us like, sure. what, tell me, tell us yes. that story. Yes. So obviously my parents didn't, they don't talk about protection. They talk about just don't have sex. Right. That's it. There's no other conversation. You know, my sister, what is she going to teach me? She's as, she's a, as good as me. Nobody, you know, there isn't people around us going to give us good advice. So I used to watch this show that I loved and it was called Homefront. And on this show, this woman, a very religious, I believe she was also a Catholic woman. She was going to in a relationship with the man and he was going to use a condom and she said, or buy condoms. And she says, no, because if you buy condoms, it means you're thinking about having sex. So you're double sinning. And that stuck in my head. And so when we were going to um, when we were going to have sex, I was like, no, don't buy anything. If you buy it, that means we're going to do it. And that means that we're already thinking about doing it and doing it. And I'm not going to double sin. So this TV show put that in my head. We didn't use protection. I got pregnant. And in the show, the same woman actually ends up not pregnant. pregnant. What? That's the part that I don't understand. I didn't miss about the show because hello, the whole story was there. And I, right. I just saw the first part. I totally missed the second part. <laughs> so can you tell us what happens when you discover you're pregnant? What, what rushes through your mind? I'm freaked out. I I'm, I'm freaked out, but I'm also like, I can do this. I can do this. He had plans to be here for a while and go back to school in his state. So I was like, that's fine. I can do this. He can go back and study. I will be okay with this. So I actually freaked out for a little bit, but was like, this is fine. I can handle this. And I had a conversation with him and I told him I'm pregnant. I release you from responsibility. I know you had plans to go back. You can go back. You don't have to stay. I can do this. And I will give him credit that he chose to stay, that he says, no, I will stay. We will, you know, we'll get married and we'll, we'll become a family. And that was when then I had to go and tell my parents <laughs> that had not met him yet. Oh, my God. How did that go? Well, I remember coming to sit down with my mom and have a conversation with her. And I told her that we decided to get married. That's how I started it. And she's like, good, because that's important because, you know, it's important because when you have kids in the future, you know, and then I must have made a face because she looked at me and she said, are you pregnant? And I kind of scooted over a little on the couch and I said, yes. And I think she started to cry, but then she said, you're not marrying him, which I will always be grateful for this day. She says, you're not going to marry him just because you're pregnant. No, you're not going to do that. So um, think that's fine. You guys want to be together. Don't marry until you're sure that he's the one. And then um, also you're going to tell your dad. So how did your yeah. dad react? Um, he heard me 
he didn't really say much. Uh, he was very disappointed. And I, I'm going to get a little emotional here because my dad passed in 2019. So I'm so sorry. But thank you. He stopped talking to me for a while. He stopped talking to me. I didn't even notice, but he basically like separated himself from me for a long time. But um, I was so busy, you know, growing a baby and, and, and living this life that I didn't really pay attention. But when my son was born, he loved him so much. And they loved each other so much. And I remember a, f a family member saying to my dad, look at this baby. Remember how silly you were being? And look at this child. And so um, it was a, a really interesting experience. But um, nothing as terribly bad as I thought would happen when you think you're going to tell your parents you're pregnant and they're going to, like, beat the crap out of you or something crazy like that. You know, um, nothing. They just they took it in stride and they were like, you know, we're going to deal. Who was your father's name? Herminio. Herminio Arnaldo. Herminio Arnaldo. Yeah. So I had to give it, give him a, a little bit of a, yeah. a little bit of a shout out here. Yeah. Thank you. And um, how old is your son now? <laughs> My son is 26. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you tell us how did you you do eventually get married? Um, yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Tell us how the separation started to become imminent. What was happening around right. that time? Well, I, I will tell you that um, I believe, and I think he does too, that if my if we wouldn't have gotten pregnant, we wouldn't have stayed together. You know, there were things that within two months you still don't know about somebody. Right. You know that you start learning living together and stuff like that. And even though my parents said don't marry, we we were like going to marry next week, next month. And we put it off until after the child was born, but we were still living like we are going to get married. That was just our plan. We just didn't do it, you know, two weeks later or something like that. And so by the time we got married, you could kind of tell that, you know, there were issues between us. There were things that weren't, but we're like, okay, we're a family and this is the next step and this is what you do. So I got married. I When I got married, like I had mentioned, I had a very high self-esteem. I was the one working and um, he had, because he just moved here and hadn't finished college. He had jobs, but not career. But he started really quickly getting good jobs. I worked up until I had my son. And then the plan was I would be the stay-at-home mom and he would take care of our son. I mean, I would take care of our son. He would work. He found a, a pretty decent job. And so that was how we kind of did things. But then um, he kept finding better jobs, which was great. He he uh, was taking care of the family, but it was he was starting to feel unhappy because he was young. I was 22. He was 21. Or when my son was born, I was 23. He was 22. He was a little bit younger than me. Um, all of his job friends were like living their lives, getting paid the same thing he was getting paid, but not having to pay for a mother and a, and a, and a son and just having vacations and doing other stuff. And he was seeing life, the life he could be having if he wasn't bogged down by, you know, a family. When um, did you actually end up breaking up? I'm wondering what was the breaking point? It wasn't me. The breaking point was never me. He did it. I would have stayed. And I don't know how much more I would have done, but he got to the breaking point and he's the one who, who ended things. So, which to me now, of course, is mind blowing, but I also understand where I came from. I believed until death do you part. I said it in front of God. And so I, so I felt like this is, you know, this is my life. I made this choice. 
you stick with it, you know? And so, um, but he, he, and I now am super grateful that he did because I don't believe that I would have. And for other reasons too, because I also, even though I felt I had very little self worth and whatever, I felt like he would not be strong enough to deal with me breaking up with him in the beginning. When I had the strength, I felt like if I do this, what does he have? I don't feel like he could, um, uh, survive it. Right. And I don't want him to do something stupid because of that. So I held on. And at the end, he's the one who decided, Hey, I need my freedom. This isn't working for me. You know, uh, I, I need to be done. I want to be done. And it, and it was obviously devastating. I was, I had already decided this is my life and it came out of nowhere and I was not prepared. My, my self-esteem was crap. Everything. I was just not in a position for, I wasn't ready for it. How did he ultimately tell you he was leaving? So actually, he, he didn't leave. Let's well, uh, yes, he actually did leave. At first, he said he wanted a break. This was a conversation. I want a break, and I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I just need some time. Okay, so what we did was, first of all, we were financially a mess because we were terrible with money, um, and so he said, I, I, I think. I'm like, what do you want to do? What should we do? And I'm here thinking what to do. Okay. So I said, we can afford for you to go and stay at like an extended day for, you know, a week, a couple of weeks, because I think a couple of weeks is enough for you to realize what am I doing? I'm crazy. You know? So we'll do that. You go there, stay a couple of weeks, analyze, have your time, and then we'll figure it out. So he did, he left, he went and stayed down the road at a place, um, uh, he he started taking salsa classes in that time when really I had only budgeted for this thing. And he's over here spending money on that stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, this is not in the budget. But he was really taking advantage of let me see how I feel being free. And so he went, he did that. Um, we couldn't sustain it. He came back and he still wasn't ready. And so I'm like, you know what? My mom is only 20 minutes away. Um, we can't afford to do this. I'm going to go. Since you have, you know, poor you have nowhere to go, I will leave our huge house with my son and leave all of that to you, which is one of the biggest mistakes that I made in this whole process that I always regret. I wish I hadn't done that, but I was still in the thing of let me make it easy for him. Let me show him that he's wrong. Let me, you know, I don't want to put him out, even though he's the one who wants this. I'm not going to make him go figure out what to do. Let me just go to my mom's house and leave this, you know, this house and all this space just for him. Yeah. So where does the process to reconstruct yourself start? Well, it, it started um, right away. I started trying to do the self-talk, the, you know, let's, you know, I need to get in a different mind frame. I went to therapy right away, which thank God that I did, but, um, it was supposed to be couples therapy because he had said, I'll go, let's, let's give this try. And he ended up not showing up, which is fine because then I got to keep that therapist for myself, which had been a great therapist for years. So I'm grateful for that. And, um, it was a super slow process, especially if you listen to my journal entries where I'm like, yes, I got this screw it. I can do all this. And five minutes later, I'm like, I, what is happening? I suck. Why, you know, why doesn't anybody love me? It was, a, a serious, you know, you know, drudge, if that's the word of just pushing and pushing up the mountain and, you know, preparing to fall and doing it again. And um, it was not easy, but it, it wasn't easy because I had lost a lot of faith in myself and belief in myself. And that was the first thing that I really need to do is remember, remember who I was 
who I was before all of this and what I had accomplished before all this. And then, you know, build myself up from there. If anybody's listening who has gone through that and is still going through the pains of really getting their self-worth back, what do you tell them are like the one, two, three main things they need to be focusing on? They need to be focusing on themselves. They need to be um, building themselves up. They need to stop talk, thinking negatively. It's a lot of self-talk and what you tell yourself. If you suck, no one will love you. You know, All of that really works. Words have power. Thoughts have power. So you need to, A, if you don't have a therapist, find one. And if you find one and you don't really gel with them, find another one. There's no rule that says you have to stay with the first one you find. Find someone that you feel that connects and works well with you. And then it's a lot of reminding yourself, I am worth it. I am finding ways to love yourself, putting yourself in uncomfortable positions where you're by yourself that makes you feel stronger. And yeah, I can do this by myself. If, if going out to eat alone is like terrifies you, do it. Sit there, do it. Don't bring a book. Don't bring whatever. Sit there and be like, I'm here. Look at people, make eye contact. People see me eating by myself. You've got this. Learn that you're going to be okay. None of these things are going to matter. And for me, the most important thing is that, that you need to build up yourself, love yourself, and that's going to allow you to be able to deal with the rest of it. So why coaching? You, many women have gone through a hard separation, gone through a divorce, had to raise their kids by themselves. And they go like, okay, I guess I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get as many jobs as it takes. And then that's their life goes on. Not right. all of them turn around and say, I feel like I have a calling to help others who are going through the same thing. Right. Where did the idea for coaching came about? Well, I, um, you know, I did regular jobs, before, after my my separation and divorce, I found jobs. I did things. I was actually um, the office manager for the New York Stock Exchange satellite office for seven years here in Florida. But once that um, they closed down that office, I was trying to figure out what to do next. What do I want to do next? And then COVID, you know, came. And I had always had that journal sitting there. And I was like, this would make a great book. And then I thought, you know, uh, maybe this will create a great blog, but I hate to write. And I'm like, that's not going to work. So when podcasting came around, I'm like, perfect podcasting. I love to talk. This will be great. And once I cracked open the journal and started reading and started sharing and starting getting the feedback and hearing from people and how they're really connecting. And when I really thought about it more and analyzed the things that happened, I was like, I really feel like this is it. I really feel like this, living through this and what I'm learning now and what I remember and what how I have come to the other side of it and really um, built myself back from zero, I felt like this is something that I could help other women with. And when I read and see how other women are struggling, I'm like, there's something there that I really feel that I can teach them, that I can help them. And I feel very passionate about helping women that are struggling, you know, especially when they, when I hear them feeling like no one will ever love me, or this is the end of my life. I feel like, no, I get it because I was there, but no. And so this is, that's where that, that need came from to be able to put myself out there to help these women. What are some of the things that you see online that, that women are saying when they go through this, what are they, what are they struggling with? So a lot of them have the fear of you'll, they'll never be loved again. This is it. Uh, you know, that, um, they're, they're never going to find another relationship. They can't envision that. And a lot of them 
the biggest thing again goes back to the self-worth that they're just like what what did i do what was wrong with me why didn't they love me what did i do wrong and there's so much internalizing and i get it you nobody's perfect i recognize that i did things in my relationship that caused it to happen i'm not saying that i was completely blameless but the the taking it all in personally and oh i i must have been it i was the problem because now he's moved on and he found somebody else so it must have been me those are the things that i see a lot of women struggling with the lack of self-worth it's so prevalent that's one of the biggest things that i see and, and that's such an important message that you know one mistake cannot define the rest of your life. One situation cannot define the rest of your life. And there's there could be so much more out there for you. And right. doing that internal work is just the key. It's the, it's the foundation. It's the first stone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, um, I spent five years by myself with my son. And those were like the best years of my life. I'm not going to lie. I mean, those were great. Doing everything, doing what I, knowing that I was responsible for everything. I didn't have to, somebody didn't have to take out the garbage for me, you know, things that you think, oh, how am I ever going to, nobody was washing a car for me. No one was paying my bills. I was doing it all. I was doing it great. I was thriving. It's like the best feeling in the world. I think every woman should experience feeling just being able to do it all and be like, I can do it all. Um, a husband and a partner is a bonus. It's, it is a bonus. It's not what you need to define yourself or the only way that you can um, survive and be a productive member of society, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, what do you think if uh, women are out there listening and they're like, oh, it sounds like Josie found her path through podcasting. What would you say to someone who's considering maybe getting into it and start to share their story? What are some some pitfalls that maybe they are not going to be able to predict, but that you found? I mean, I say go for it. Now, I will be honest and say to this day, I do not believe that my ex knows that I have a podcast. I have a whole separate different persona. I, most of my friends and family do not know that I have a podcast because what I am sharing is a little cringy. It's not really something that I want, you know, my cousin to listen to and then, you know, sit down and meet and be like, oh yeah, I heard your podcast. You know, I would prefer that that not happen when they find it, they find it and that's, that's fine. But you can change your name. You can never put your face out there, which is what I did for like the first year and a half and stuff like that. You can share your story and you don't have to advertise it to everybody. If you feel like you really want to put it out there, it's fine. Change names. I've changed, you know, of course my ex, I don't put his name out there and I try not to share enough about him for anybody to really research him. So you can do it, do it. Don't be scared. Don't let that hold you back. Cause it held me back for, for quite a while. I love, I love what you're saying that, you know, having basically a completely different persona because the online world, the internet, the world is so big. There are so many people in the world. There's no way for us to know every single one of them. So when you kind of sprung up in a different, um, kind of like in a different group, I guess, in a different group of people in a different society, I guess right. you can be known over there without really being known over here. And as long as right. you don't intentionally make that link, like, Hey, that over there is me. Right. Uh, people are just not going to put two and two together. Like I said, you know, my right. parents don't listen to this. My husband is not even on social media. I have had uh, family members who are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, with that tone, I don't feel very comfortable talking to you about it. So I exactly. go, oh, you know, just a thing and just walk away. Exactly. So it's so important for you to feel 
like you can be yourself and like you can be open. So if you are going to start a podcast, if you are going to start a blog, um, what would you say to people who are like, yeah, but I don't think that I can give out all of the details. Well, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, the first time I cried on my podcast, I was going to stop. I said, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Who wants to hear this? How embarrassing is this? No, I, I actually paused for a little bit. And then I'm like, I want to be me. I want to be real. So you have to be in the in the place in your life where you feel like you can do it because it is going to be difficult and it's going to bring so much. I still cry and recognize things. And I'm like, I thought I was over this. This has been years for me for my divorce. But you sit there and you you feel things. It brings back emotions. And so be ready. Be prepared that you are ready to deal with that. Have your therapist on speed dial if you need it for, you know, retouch up visits and whatever. But, um, you know, some of it is cringy. There's more cringy stuff out there. The fact that you put it out there shows that you are being honest, that you are being true and that they can have a real more connection with you because you're not trying to fake it. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't be, <laughs> if I was faking half of the stuff that I'm putting out there, I wouldn't put out. So you show them that you're real, that you're authentic, that you came to be your true self and help them with your real story. This has been amazing. Um, I I love it that you were able to get so real and so down in the dirt with me with like with your actual story, because there's so many women out there who need the, to need to hear this, who need your help. Um, mm -hmm. So before we wrap up, can you please tell everyone, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a podcaster, as a successful coach? Well, I think that um, one thing that kind of did come up was that I'm a man hater, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. I believe that there are that, you know, we all want to be in couples. We all want to have partners. We all want to be loved and that that's obviously part of life and a great part of life. I'm not against that. I'm not at all telling women uh, don't ever get married. Um, don't uh, depend on your partner. Don't you know, I'm not saying all of those things. I just am saying everything with intention and just to think um, to think about it, to have your eyes open. And finally, if everybody had to do what you're about to tell them to do, and they had to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be? I would say that if you are a woman in a relationship and you're not sure where you are in your relationship, you haven't gotten to the the part where you're already, you know, separated and, and dealing with that to take a, a and analyze your relationship because I prefer people to be married, obviously. So if you're struggling, if you're not sure, don't, don't, you know, sweep it under the rug, do a little bit of the work, analyze what's going on, have those strong conversations because either you can find situations that you can fix in your relationship, or you can peacefully come to a part where this isn't just going to work and avoid the devastated and blindsidedness of being, you know, surprised by uh, your partner telling them that they don't want to be with you anymore. So eyes open, analyze, pay attention. That would be my advice. Thank you so much for all of this and for being here, Josie. Where can people find you? Give us the name of your podcast. Where can people go hang out with you? So my podcast is Heavy Pages, a divorce journal, and you can find it anywhere that you stream podcasts. I also am very active on Instagram, and you can find me there at heavy underscore pages underscore podcast. And I also have a TikTok. If you do TikTok, you can find me there at Heavy Pages Podcast. Thank you so much. And we're going to put all of those links in the show notes. Josie, 
Thank you for being here. This was amazing. And we wish you all the best. Thank you, Lena. It was great to be here and so great to be on your podcast. I'm super excited. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this interview, you may be wondering what you missed. What did our guests share with me that was so hot? I couldn't even put it in the mainstream version of this podcast. Become a TGP Insider today and get access to all of our uncut interviews, as well as access to the behind the scenes of my six-figure coaching business through my Instagram close friend stories. Head over to theglobalphenomenon.com insider or click on the link in the show notes for all the details. Details. And I'll see you inside our Facebook community for online coaches, where you can share what's going on in your business and connect with other amazing coaches in this space. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com Facebook or click on the link in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next one.